Section 8 of The Elements of Botany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Elements of Botany by William Ruskenberger. Lesson 6, Part 1. The Classification of Plants. As we stated when beginning the natural history of animals, we give the names of classification to any arrangement designed to facilitate the determining and study of objects, by separating them into more or less numerous groups, which in their turn are again divided and subdivided, and by assigning to each of these divisions a name and characters suitable to enable us to recognize all bodies of which they are composed. With this view, we make use of two kinds of classification, one called an artificial system and the other a natural method. An artificial system or classification of plants is a mode of arrangement by means of which we may readily obtain a knowledge of the name of a plant by examining the characters furnished in the conformation of certain parts of these beings. In this kind of classification we divide and subdivide the vegetable kingdom into groups, into each one of which we range all those plants which possess a certain character, selected arbitrarily, and exclude all those that do not possess this same character. Without considering whether we separate in this way plants that resemble each other in all the most important relations, or whether we bring together in the same division other plants that possess scarcely any property in common with each other. On this principle, we might class plants accordingly to the variations observed in the form and structure of the leaves, or of the corolla of the flower, or any other organ. But by proceeding in this way, we should learn almost nothing in relation to the organization of these beings or in respect to the degrees of resemblance or dissimilarity they possess. A natural method, or classification, is, on the contrary, a sort of synoptical table of all the modifications that nature has produced in the conformation of plants, a table in which these modifications are arranged according to their relative importance, and serve for the establishment of divisions and successive subdivisions. In consequence of this, plants arranged according to this method have more important and more numerous points of resemblance to each other in proportion to their approximation to each other in the classification. For instance, when two plants are placed in two different divisions, it is because they differ from each other in more respects than either of them differs from all the other plants with which it is arranged, and these differences are less important between different species of the same genus than between the different genera of the same family. Those characters which distinguish the families from each other are, in their turn, of less importance than those employed to separate from each other the groups formed by the union of several of these families, and so on. By the assistance of these methods we determine the name of a plant we wish to know with less facility than by an artificial system. But we acquire much more important knowledge, because having thus ascertained according to the place a plant occupies in a classification of this kind, we know the principal features of its mode of organization, and, consequently, its physiological history also. Botanists have successively employed different artificial systems and the natural method in the classification of plants. Among the first there is one which, from its simplicity and the celebrity it for a long time enjoyed, merits being cited here. It is the system of Linnaeus, a Swedish botanist who died in 1778, which is based upon the differences that plants present in the various essential parts of their flowers, but especially in their stamens. In this system of classification, plants unprovided 
with stamens and pistils, form a particular class, and those which possess these organs are divided, first according to the existence of stamens and pistils in the same flower, or in different flowers, second according to the cohesion of the stamens to each other, or with the pistil, or according to their not cohering, third according to the relative length of the stamens, fourth according to the number of stamens, etc. The first eleven classes are characterized by the number of stamens. The names of these and the two succeeding classes are formed from the Greek by prefixing the proper numerals to the word anair, man, used metaphorically for stamen. Class number one, monandria, includes all plants with perfect flowers that have but one stamen. Two, diandria, two stamens. Three, triandria, three stamens. Four, tetrandia, four stamens. Five, petandria, five stamens. Six, hexandria, six stamens. Seven, heptandria, seven stamens. Eight, octandria, eight stamens. Nine, eneandria, nine stamens. Ten, decandria, ten stamens. Eleven, dodecandria, eleven to nineteen stamens. The two succeeding classes are characterized by the number of the stamens with their mode of insertion. 12. Icosandria, twenty or more stamens, which are attached to or stand upon the calyx, as in the apple, cherry, etc. 13. Polyandria, which do not adhere to the calyx, that is, the stamens are hypogynous. The two following classes are characterized by the relative length of their stamens. 14. Didinamia, from the Greek dis, two, and dynamis, power, two long and two shorter stamens, as in the mint. 15. Tetradynamia, from the Greek tetra, four, and dynamis, power, four long and two short stamens. The longer stamens are supposed to be the most powerful. The four following classes are characterized by the connection of their stamens. 16. Monodelphia, from the Greek monos, single, and Delphos, brotherhood, having the filaments of all the stamens united into a set or tube, constituting a single brotherhood. Example, the mallow. 17. Diadelphia, from the Greek dis, two, and Delphos, having the filaments of the stamens united in two sets, as in the pea. 18. Polyadelphia, from the Greek polis, many, and Delphos, having the filaments of the stamens united into more than two sets. 19. Syngenesia, from the Greek sun, together with gynome, to arise, to grow, having the stamens united by their anthers in a ring or tube, as in the sunflower. 20. Gynandria, from the Greek gyne, woman, used metaphorically for pistil, and aner, stamen, having the stamens in appearance growing out of the pistil, as in the lady slipper. In all the preceding classes the flowers are perfect. The next three classes are characterized by the stamens and pistils being separately contained in different flowers. 21. Monitia. From the Greek monus, single, and oika, house. The stamens and pistils are in separate flowers, but both grow on the same plant or both dwell in the same house, as the name denotes. 22. Diosha. From the Greek dis, two, and oika. The stamens and pistils are not only in separate flowers, but on different individuals. They are in two households. 23. Polygamia, from the Greek polis, many, and gamos, marriage or union. 
the stamens and pistils are separate in the same flowers and unite in others all on the same or on two or three individuals of the same species the last class includes flowers in which neither stamens nor pistils are visible they are now termed flowerless plants twenty four cryptogamia from the greek cryptos concealed and gamos marriage having the essential organs of the flower concealed from view in the first thirteen classes of the linnaean system the orders are founded on the number of styles and when these are wanting on the number of stigmas the names of these orders are formed by prefixing numerals from the greek to the word gyna from gyne woman metaphorically used for pistol order one monogyna one style or sessile stigma two digyna two styles or sessile stigmas three trigyna three styles or sessile stigmas four tetragyna four styles or sessile stigmas five pentagyna five styles or sessile stigmas six hexagyna six styles or sessile stigmas seven heptagyna seven styles or sessile stigmas eight octagyna eight styles or sessile stigmas nine aneagyna nine styles or sessile stigmas ten decagyna ten styles or sessile stigmas eleven dodecagyna twelve or about twelve twelve polygyna more than twelve the sixth seventh eighth and ninth orders are very rarely found the fourteenth class didynamia contains two orders named and characterized as follows gymnospermia from the greek gymnos naked and sperma seed has naked seed commonly four in number angiospermia from the greek aegion a vessel and sperma seed has the seeds which are usually numerous enclosed in a seed vessel the fifteenth class tetradynamia has two orders distinguished by the form of the fruit silicolosa fruit a silical or roundish pod silicosa fruit a silique the orders of the sixteenth seventeenth and eighteenth classes are founded on the characters of the first thirteen classes for example the mallow which belongs to the sixteenth class monodelphia has more than twenty stamens and therefore belongs to the order polyandria of that class the nineteenth class syngenesia has five orders characterized by the nature of the florets whether perfect separated or barren one polygamia aculis has perfect florets that is furnished with both stamens and pistils example the thistle two polygamia superflua has the florets of the disc perfect and those of the ray furnished with pistils only example the aster three polygamia frustrania has the florets of the disc perfect those of the ray without either stamens or pistils which are well formed example the sunflower four polygamia necessaria has the florets of the disc with stamens only the stigmas being imperfect and those of the ray with pistils only example sylphilium five polygamia sagrata has all the florets perfect and each floret has a well-formed calyx the whole being enclosed in an involucra example elephantopus the orders of the twentieth twenty-first and twenty-second classes are for the most part characterized by the number of stamens the twenty-third class polygamia has three orders founded on the immediately preceding orders one monetia has both separated and perfect flowers on the same individual two dioecia when one individual bears the perfect and another the two kinds of separated flowers 
three triesia when one bears the perfect a second the staminate and a third the pistillate flowers the ferns mosses algae fungi etc constitute the orders of the twenty-fourth class cryptogamia the basis of the natural method was proposed by a french botanist bernard de jusseux and this classification perfected by the labors of antoine jusseux and the botanists of his school is the one now generally adopted according to this classification we bring together in groups called genera all the species of plants which resemble each other throughout in the important characters of their organization and in the same manner we bring together into divisions of higher rank named natural families the different genera the most essential organs of which possess an analogous mode of structure then we group together the natural families according to the same principle and finally obtain a small number of divisions which comprise all the subdivisions we have mentioned above and which by their union include the whole vegetable kingdom the most important differences among plants consist in the absence or presence of flowers or organs of fructification and this difference almost always coincides with their peculiar modes of organization in all their parts such as the absence or presence of distinct vessels in the tissue of the plant therefore in a natural method we must first divide the vegetable kingdom into two groups one containing plants which are reproduced by means of flowers and the other including plants which are not multiplied in this way and unprovided with flowers this is in fact the course followed we ordinarily designate the first of these divisions under the name of cotyledonous or phanerogamous plants and the second under the name of acotyledonous or cryptogamous plants the phanerogamous plants from the greek phaneros evident and gamos marriage the phanerogamous or cotyledonous plants all resemble each other in the most important particulars of their organization but nevertheless very greatly differ from each other in some the seed contains but a single cotyledon and the stem is endogenous the others have seeds provided with two or more cotyledons and an exogenous stem consequently we divide them into two groups which are called monocotyledons and dicotyledons among the cryptogamous plants there are some which are composed exclusively of cellular tissue and do not possess any distinct organs that are analogous either to roots stems or leaves there are others although composed chiefly of cellular tissues like the first often acquire vessels at a certain period of their development and are provided with parts analogous to the roots and leaves of ordinary plants in order that the classification of these plants be natural that is the expression of the more or less important resemblances or differences they present we must therefore form them into two divisions that of cellular plants properly so called and that of semivascular plants we subdivide the monocotyledonous and the dicotyledonous plants into classes according to the structure of their flowers and to characterize the groups thus formed we ordinarily take into consideration first the absence or existence of a corolla etc then we make a distinction between the monopetalous and the polypetalous corolla then we consider the manner of insertion of the stamens or petals when they possess stamens finally the classes thus formed are subdivided into natural families according as nature has variously modified the general mode of organization of the seed of the fruit of the flower etc cryptogamous plants cryptogamous plants are constituted exclusively or chiefly of cells and during the first period of their growth or even throughout their existence are unprovided with vessels or stigmata they also differ from phanerogamous plants in their mode of propagation for their multiplication 
always takes place without the aid of various reproductive organs analogous to stamens and pistils, and is affected by division or by the development of sporules. Bodies which resemble the seeds of ordinary plants, but have no protecting envelope like a pericarp, nor a depot of nutritive matter similar to the albumen or to cotyledons. We divide these plants into two groups, cellular plants, properly so called, and semivascular plants. Cellular plants, properly so called, are composed exclusively, and at all periods of their existence, of cellular tissue, which forms a homogeneous mass which is rarely green, and its forms, which are very various, do not at all resemble those of ordinary plants. We can distinguish in these plants neither roots nor organs similar to stems or leaves, and absorption seems to take place throughout the whole extent of their surface. When their tissue is membranous and flat, we give the part thus constituted the name of thallus, and when branched and spread out, it constitutes what is called a frons. The sporules are sometimes naked, sometimes contained in one or more membranous sacs which seem to be ordinary cells. This group is divided into three natural families, lichenes, fungi, and algae. Lichens are perennial plants which grow upon the trunks of trees, on rocks, or on the surface of the ground, and are composed of a thallus, possibly from the Greek thalliae, the blooming one, having the appearance of filaments or foliaceous membranes or hardened pulverulent crusts. This thallus consists of two layers, one external or cortical, variously colored but never green, and an internal or medullary, which often contains green matter and gives origin to young plants, either by the division of its tissue or by the production of spores, from the Greek spora, seed, called apothecum or scutum, Latin, a shield, because their form is frequently like that of a small shield. There are more than two thousand species of lichens known. They grow in the most arid places and constitute the greater parts of the vegetation of the regions near the pole. One species, the Cenomycae rangiferina, reindeer, Cenomycae, from the Greek kinos, empty, and mucase, a minute fungus, forms the food of the reindeers of Lapland for the greater part of the year and several are used as dye-stuffs, as the archil. The fungi. The fungi mushrooms are plants of various forms and are never green. In general they consist of cellular tissue formed into globular masses, or having a peduncle, surrounded by a cap, pileus, which is ordinarily convex, and the inferior surface is furnished with radiating laminae. They are distinguished from lichens and algae by the absence of fronds or crust, bearing organs of fructification. The sporules are sometimes naked and sometimes enclosed in little capsules. In common mushrooms, the union of these capsules constitutes a membrane named the hymenium, from the Greek umen, a membrane, which is ordinarily plated and covers entirely or in part the surface of the plant. These sporules become free, sometimes by the rupture of their envelope, sometimes by the decay of the tissue which surrounds them, and when they germinate, we observe arising from them white filaments, upon which springs bodies from point to point, which seemingly constitute the mushroom. But in reality they appear to be only the spores, that is, the reproductive organs. These plants are developed in general, in shady, damp, and warm situations, and are found especially numerous, where organic matter in a state of putrefaction abound. Many live as parasites upon perennial plants, and some grow on the surface of water but most of them inhabit the surface of the earth or are buried in the soil. Sometimes they grow with extraordinary rapidity. Frequently we see thousands of mushrooms growing up in a single night, 
and the greater part of them do not live beyond a few days at most. There are some, however, that grow slowly and live many years. This family is very numerous and is divided into several groups, the most important of which are the agarics, or mushrooms properly so called, Lycopodiceae and the Muscadiniae. Moss tribe. Agarics, or mushrooms properly so called, are plants ordinarily of fleshy consistence, the sporules of which are placed on the surface of an external membrane and enclosed in distinct capsules. Some have a sort of stem surmounted by a sort of umbrella-shaped cap, the inferior surface of which is lined by the sporiferous membrane. Others are club-shaped or branched. Others again form irregular masses of a gelatinous consistence. They are commonly found in shady, damp woods at the foot of old trees, and a great many are known. Several of them may be used as food and are even very much esteemed, but others are violently poisonous, and there are no general characters by which good mushrooms may be certainly distinguished from bad ones. It is only when we are able to recognize perfectly the species known to be good that we should venture to eat those found in forests, because there are poisonous mushrooms which so closely resemble the edible species that mistakes are easily made. We should invariably reject those which change color quickly after being gathered, those which contain a milky juice, or are of a very soft and watery structure, those that have a peppery, bitter, or astringent taste and disagreeable odor. A bright red color is also frequently an indication of poisonous qualities. The symptoms of poisoning produced by mushrooms do not appear immediately after they have been introduced into the stomach. They do not supervene until the end of five or six hours, or sometimes even longer after eating. The patients experience nausea, almost continual and very acute pains. They have frequent vomitings and numerous evacuations. Thirst cannot be appeased. The pulse is small, hard, and frequent. At a later period, partial or general convulsions take place, swooning, cold sweat, and drowsiness. Most generally, the intellectual faculties contain unimpaired till death terminates the case. The mushrooms most used as food are the edible agaric, agaricus edulis, the mauserum agaric, the orange, chanterelle, moral, seps, or boletus edulis, or edible bowl. But the only species cultivated is the edible agaric, which are propagated at pleasure by means of the white filaments that spread out in the soil where the sporules have germinated, and are known to gardeners under the name of white of mushrooms. One of the most poisonous mushrooms is the false orange, which resembles the true orange, which is among the most esteemed species, and is very common in the south of France. Tinder, or spunk, is a species of mushroom of the genus agaric. The division of the Lycopodiaceae comprises mushrooms, the sporos of which are not enclosed in especial capsules. We place among them truffles, singular plants of a regularly rounded form which grow underground without being attached to any other body and without ever appearing above the surface. The edible truffle, so much esteemed by gourmands, is of a brown color, strong odor, and peculiar taste. Its size varies from that of an egg to that of a fist, and it grows five or six inches underground. It is chiefly met with in forests of ash, chestnut, or oak, and in the soils composed of sand and clay. To gather these subterranean mushrooms, we take advantage of the instinct of hogs, which root them up with their snout. They have not been multiplied by cultivation as yet. The mosidinae or molds, are also plants of the family of fungi, and we also place in this natural division certain parasitic plants that grow on other living plants, 
often producing in them very remarkable injurious alterations. Of this number is a species of fungus named aredo, which is sometimes developed on wheat, and occasions what farmers call blight. The family of algae, seaweeds, is composed of marine and other aquatic plants, the structure of which is very simple. The fuci, which cover the rocks on our coast, belongs to this group. The genus fucus yields iodine, a useful medicine. The chondrus crispus, or carrageen moss, of Ireland, which also grows on our own coast, is converted into size. It also yields a fine jelly for invalids, and is often used in the composition of blancmange. The semivascular plants are at first composed of cellular tissue alone, like cellular plants, but often acquire, at a certain period of their development, vessels and stomata, like phanerogamous plants. They are provided with roots like the latter, and with expansions or fronds, ordinarily green, analogous to leaves. The latter often arise from an axis, similar to a stem, and sporules are developed upon their external or inferior surface. In this division we place the mosses, mossae, the ferns, felices, and some other families of less importance. The mosses, mossae, have a very short herbaceous stem fixed on the ground on stones or the barks of trees by small brown roots and covered by little leaves in form of scales. There are no vessels in their interior. Finally, their spores are enclosed in lateral or terminal buds surrounded by a sort of paragon and rise from the internal parietes of a sort of urn. Mosses rank among the smallest of plants. They seldom exceed the height of a few inches, and many are so minute they would wholly escape our observation if they did not grow in patches. Several species, indeed, are scarcely visible to the naked eye, and yet they have a stem, leaves, fruit, and other organs as the largest plants of the family. Gray's Elements of Botany The ferns, felices, are herbaceous or arborescent plants, the fronds or leaves of which are alternate, often lobate, and grow upon a sort of vertical stem or rhizome. We find stomata on the leaves and trachea, and other vessels in their petioles. Their organs of fructification are found on the interior surface of the leaves, towards the edge of the extremity of the veins. Although the ferns of the United States, and of all northern climates, have prostrate stems, and consequently do not rise at most above three or four feet in height, yet in tropical countries their trunks are often erect, and frequently attain the height of seventy or eighty feet. The tree ferns of the tropics are said to be objects of incomparable beauty their straight, unbranched trunks often rising, like those of palms, as high as forty or fifty feet, without a leaf. Gray. We also place in this division of the vegetable kingdom the chara, an aquatic plant which is very remarkable on account of the singular circulation observed in the interior of the cellules of its tissue. Of the structure of the chara, very little is certainly known. They consist of the submersed water plants, having slender jointed stems, destitute of leaves, but furnished with whorled branches resembling the stem. There are only a few species, but these abound in stagnant waters. End of section 8